everyone. Welcome to So Good Sisterhood. I'm your host, Julie Mullins, and my husband Todd and I pastor Christ Fellowship Church together. The So Good Sisterhood is a podcast that is all about investing in every girl from every generation. It's this opportunity to have relevant conversations every single month about living intentionally, leading confidently, and loving generously. And hopefully it will leave you saying, that was so good. Hey everyone, welcome back to the So Good Sisterhood podcast. I cannot believe that we are jumping into season four of the podcast. And I just want to take a minute to thank you so much for listening, for supporting, and spreading the word about the podcast. You know, we love hearing from you. So make sure that you leave a comment. Let us know what you love. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes and updates. Share the podcast with a friend. And this season, we're going to have some giveaways and lots of bonus content. So you can follow us on Instagram. Instagram at at CF Sisterhood. And while you're at it, you can follow me at Julie D. Mullins because we've got lots of fun stuff we're planning for the next couple of months together. Okay, so I am pretty excited about this season of the podcast and we're going to be taking a deep dive into a topic that I'm really passionate about. But before I tell you what that is, I just want to take you back just for a minute Close your eyes, unless you're driving, and just picture yourself back in your elementary school days on the playground. And I know that might be a little bit traumatizing for some of you, but just stick with me for a few minutes, okay? So when you were on the playground, did you ever play that game, follow the leader? You know where one kid, usually the bossy one, that was me, where one kid led this long line of boys and girls and everyone behind her had to do exactly what she did. The crazy arm motions, crawling under park benches, 52 push-ups, and anyone who, who doesn't keep up or couldn't do what the leader did, they're out of the game. And that last one left gets crowned the leader. For most of us, this game seems just like the hundreds of other meaningless games that we might have played on the playground. But what you might not know is that according to child psychologists and developmental experts, they have actually stated that this game is one of the most effective games for early childhood growth and development. It builds motor skills, it stirs creative thinking, and it actually increases attention span. Follow the leader is more than just a game. It is actually a developmental difference maker. So all of you teachers out there, what you're doing is actually making such a huge difference in the lives of the kids that you're leading. So to kick off this season, we're going to unpack this difference maker. The season series is entitled Follow the Leader. It's not just a game. And here's what I mean by that. See who you choose to follow and how you lead those who are following you will be the biggest difference maker in your life and in your relationships. First of all, who you choose to follow, it's going to determine the path that you take and your ultimate destination. Of course, I mean following Jesus, right? Because following Jesus is going to lead you to an eternal life someday with him and an abundant life every day with him. But in the same way, who you choose to follow every day is going to influence your thinking and it's going to set a course for your life and for your relationships. And then how you choose to lead those who follow you, it matters. Think about it. In the game, follow the leader. The only person that can actually see the leader is the one directly behind him, which means that most of the time when someone goes down, it's, it's actually because the person in front of them didn't do what they were supposed to do. 
They didn't wave their arms the right way. They didn't go under the park bench, which means that in follow the leader, everyone is the leader. And this is what I want you to know. Every one of us, we are leading in some sphere of influence. You're leading and influencing more than you know. And how you lead those behind you, it's going to determine the health of your relationships, the impact of your legacy, and even the futures of those you love. So your leadership is valuable and it's worth investing in. So let's take this journey together. So to kick off this season together, I have one of my dearest friends, Donna Pisani. We sat down for a conversation around what God's word has to say about the enormous leadership potential that he's placed in each and every one of us to influence and to lead courageously, and especially to step into the unique calling that he's placed on our lives. And let me warn you, we do not back down from addressing some of the controversial scripture passages that have caused confusion when it comes to women leading. And you may not agree with everything that is said, but it's an invitation for you to dig in for yourself. But this episode's not just all about controversy. I really believe that you're going to walk away more confident than ever in your calling to follow Jesus and to to lead the people that you love. So let's get started. Hey everyone, I am so excited. I have my good friend Donna Pisani in the studio. Donna is an author. She's the author of the book Power of the Not Yet: Living a Life of Endless Possibilities. And she just speaks on platforms all over the world and she's a regular on the Better Together TV series on TBN all about women. And she and her husband Dennis, they have served as missionaries and senior pastors for over 40 years. And I love that now they're using their 40 years of marriage, ministry, and life experience to coach and encourage leaders and pastors. Donna, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Julie. <laughs> I love being here. We've been friends for just how many years now? Five I think it's six? about five years. Yeah. 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 And I have been so inspired by you consistently. Mm -hmm. So I'm just grateful. It's a huge honor to be here. Oh, I'm so glad that you're here. You know, you and I, like we said, we met a few years back at a gathering with church leaders. And yes. I didn't know hardly anyone in the room when we both showed up. And But what I noticed was the way that you intentionally would walk around the room and encourage anyone that you bumped into. And this was so amazing to me. I was instantly drawn to you because when you saw an older person in the room, you had some kind of intentional word to honor them. And then when you met some young leaders in the room, you were asking them questions. And I actually knew that you had so much wisdom to share, but I loved that you actually just made everyone in the room just feel better. I, I say this all the time that encouragement is oxygen to mm. the soul. Yeah. And you are like a walking oxygen tank, right? <laughs> so always constantly breathing, breathing life. But I remember at the end of the night, I don't know if you remember this, but I kind of awkwardly came up to you and said, can we be friends? Because <laughs> I, I thought, you know what? I'm just going to take my chances here because that's what sometimes you have to do. You know, when you meet someone that you really know that you need to hang out with because they have something in their life that you're longing for. And you have just inspired me in this way. And I've learned so much from you. And I just wanted to share you with our listeners. And the one thing I learned from the very beginning is that we have this shared passion. And it's really a shared passion to equip and empower leaders, specifically women in leadership. And, and I would love for you to share a little bit about your journey and some experiences that you have had that have really fueled this passion to invest in the next generation of leaders. Yeah, thanks, Julie. Well, and I also want to go back to the fact that I still think you're pretty amazing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and you have inspired me so much. Mm. And I'm just grateful that you came up and said, I don't remember that moment, but I'm so you grateful totally that do. you came up and said, can we be friends? <laughs> because that has been one of the greatest gifts in my mm. life is just to have you as a friend. Mm. And you've enlarged my world in a million different ways. And I think one of the things that I love the most is not just how humble you are and what an incredible leader you are, but you have a heart for leaders as well and for women. And that's rare. I, you know, I don't know that the, in our, um, in our world that there are a lot of women mm -hmm. leading with their husbands. Yeah. And that was a huge encouragement to me. So in my life, I was very shy and quiet. You know, I would cross the street rather than talk to you. And <laughs> um, when I met my husband, I mean, he's extroverted. He He's never met a stranger. And I, we'd be in a room together and I'd be like wanting to fade away and he'd introduce me to everybody. But this is what happened in ministry was when we were called to ministry, Dennis didn't want to do it alone. Mm -hmm. And so he kept pulling me in. And after he would pull me in, I'd be really irritated and say, don't ever do that again. It's like grounds for divorce, I think. <laughs> That's how cool introverted I was. But he just kept doing it. And I'm so grateful for mm -hmm. now because he saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm -hmm. And so he's always insisted that we lead together. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that. So my heart for women in leadership is I always always wanted to be who I didn't have when I was wow. in ministry. Mm -hmm. So it was rare to find somebody mm -hmm. else in leadership. I love that. That's so powerful that to be the mentor that you didn't have. Yeah. That that will preach right there. And so I, I love that you've done that for um for so many for so many women. But not only have you just encouraged them as leaders, but you've also equipped yourself to be an encouragement to others. And and one of the things I love is that that you have studied extensively, right, on this this whole idea of women in leadership. And and you're you're right now, you're working on your yes. doctorate in ministry with a focus on women in the Bible. And, you know, when I think about this whole topic, there was a day not long ago that so many women were maybe leading in the workplace or the marketplace. They're leading in their families, but there weren't that many opportunities in the church world. It was almost like the world and the marketplace that the best leaders were, you know, they were walking out of the church and, and, yes. and giving all of their leadership in the in, in their jobs and in the workplace, I know for me that when I was a young you know pastor's wife yeah. and um, and I was also working full time, I thought you know what I am going to lead in the workplace and then I'm going to serve at the church mm. and and I thought that's the way that it would always be you know yeah. but when you think about that when you think about the fact that the church is the hope for the world, yeah. why in the world would we only release a half dose? of the hope yeah. that the world needs. So good, And so Julie. when women step up into yeah. leadership, it's like we actually, as a church, yeah. we, are, we are releasing a full dose of hope into the world. And so, you know, I, I've yeah. loved watching over these last few years, as you have, and you've raised up, you know, women, young women leaders in your church, and you're mentoring so many um, leaders. And it's been exciting to see so many women step up and lead in the church world, um, either as volunteers or as team members on church staff. Staff, but you know, for some for some people that might be listening, this might be this might seem like a really new thing that women yeah. leading in the Christian world is actually very novel and it's new. But if you look in Scripture, it actually tells a pretty different story. Yes. Yeah. And so, um, do you think it would be an overstatement or an exaggeration to say that that Jesus was actually a huge promoter of women in leadership? No, he 
I believe he was a huge promoter yeah. of women, in, and you do too. I mean, we've talked about this extensively. I think um, for me, and I think for you too, I just consistently walked out what I felt God was calling me to mm-hmm. do, had my husband's blessing on it, um, but I didn't really fully know the theology or even fully right. what the Bible said. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, I felt like I was doing this but maybe I didn't quite have full permission because I didn't fully understand mm. what the scripture said. So you're like stepping into the leadership, you're serving, but you don't always do it with full confidence because you don't know what's... And I think the scriptures, there's some things that I would say like this, like a couple of years ago, Dennis and I went away for a couple of days um, to Curacao and we asked for the local beach that was the very best beach ever. And so they said, well, there's this one about five miles away. So we drive there, it's packed out with people. And so we're kind of walking around people to find the best spot. He likes the shade, I like the sun, I wanna get his brown, cause brown cellulite is way better than white cellulite. <laughs> I just wanna say that. True story, true yeah. story. So, um, so anyways, I find finally get positioned, he gets positioned, but unbeknownst to us, I turn around to find where he is and the woman next to me doesn't have a top on and the woman next to her doesn't. It's a topless beach. And <laughs> Welcome so, to Europe. I know, right? <laughs> European. Yeah, they're like, yeah. here's a European beach. We're like, what does that mean? So, but we, here we are, pastors sitting on a topless beach <laughs> on, our, on our vacation. But I think we were oblivious to the obvious. And I think mm-hmm. if we look at the scripture, sometimes perhaps myself had been oblivious to the obvious mm-hmm. things that were right there in front of us. So when we talk about Jesus being the biggest promoter of women, I mean, you just start, Right in the beginning, when you look at John chapter 20, it's, I've read this forever. Like we, it's like the Easter story, Jesus yeah. being raised from the dead. So you have the story and you have Peter and John, everybody's waiting to find out what's gonna happen. They're kind of hiding because they don't know Jesus has just died on the cross. They've spent their whole life serving. They don't fully understand it. So Mary goes to the tomb while it's still dark and it's empty. So she's like, wait a minute, something's not right here. So she goes and gets Peter and John. They come back. They look into the tomb. All they see is the grave clothes, dirty laundry. That's all they see. (laughs) So then, um, but Mary goes and looks in the tomb and Mary doesn't see dirty laundry. Mary sees two angels. Mm -hmm. And those two angels say to her, um, who are you looking for? And she's like, I'm looking for my Lord. And they, they say, he's not here. He's risen. And immediately she turns around and she sees somebody standing in the garden. I think the garden's significant. Yeah. And she thinks it's the gardener until he says, she, she cries out and looks at him and he calls her name, Mary. And all of a sudden she realizes that it's not a gardener, kind of still is a gardener, but it's Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I think the significance of that is after he speaks to her, he says to her, go tell your brothers that I've risen from the dead. Mm -hmm. Well, there's something so significant about that. It's in a garden. So where was the first sin in a garden, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus could have appeared to Peter and John, but he appeared to a woman because he was redeeming what Mm -hmm. all of the world would think about the woman being the temptress, the one who led us into the original sin. Mm -hmm. It's powerful when we think that it's Mm -hmm. in a garden. He was significant. Nothing is missed in this. And he says, go tell. Well, there's life to those words, go tell. Mm -hmm. Those words are still echoing and repeating around the earth. Like when Jesus, when God said, light be, it travels around the earth 187,000 plus change miles a second. Mm -hmm. Every time you feel the sun, that's God's word on your skin. Mm -hmm. So when Jesus said to a woman, go tell your brothers, that I've risen, there's a calling on all humanity, women included, to talk about resurrection, not as a noun, 
but as a verb. Yeah. We're speaking life and he's given us permission. That blew mm-hmm. me up. Just that in itself right. was like, wait a minute. Right. Mm-hmm. I have permission to mm-hmm. use my voice. Yes. I have a seat at the table. That's so good. And I think that you've Which, also- by the way, I love this podcast title because <laughs> I always think about the podcast when you say so good. So good. Yeah. That is so good. Like that we have been instructed to go and tell. Yes. And this was not a calling that was limited. And yeah. I think it's hard for us to even imagine like what it was like to live as a woman in Jesus' yes. day. And what Jesus was doing was countercultural. Yes. But there was another time in scripture where he meets a woman at the well. And I, yes. I love this too, because again, he gives her really powerful words of instruction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he does. And I think uh, I'm going to launch into that in just a minute. But one yeah. thing I wanted to like start with is, first of all, if this is new information to you, mm-hmm. we're not trying to convince you of something. Right. We're encouraging you to wrestle with the truth mm-hmm. yourself and get into the word. The second thing is there's a posture as you begin to to study this. And I think it's really important because posture and tone is everything. Mm -hmm. And so what I believe the posture is that we've been entrusted, Mm -hmm. not entitled. Right. And there's a significant difference between those two postures. Mm -hmm. While you are entitled to the promises of God, all of us are, if we don't access them through the understanding we are entrusted with it, Mm -hmm. the difference is entitled means you owe me it's almost a handicap, really, right. because then we walk around feeling like we're entitled to something more. And so there's a pride attached to it. Yeah. Entrustment is, what? I get to do this? Wait a minute. And you remember the cost for our entrustment? Mm-hmm. Well, then that's a completely different tone and different posture. So when we look at the scriptures, even with um, the woman at the well, you also have to look at these women that are listed in the scriptures. Were they examples or exceptions? Mm. And so a lot of our theology that has been written in the past, and maybe you believe, maybe you've read this and believe this your whole life, is that you look at women that are listed in the scriptures as being exceptions. Mm-hmm. But I would say, I think they were examples mm-hmm. that we were to follow. So the woman yeah. at the well was one in a culture where women were devalued, um, had no voice in a mm-hmm. court of law. Um, this woman at the well had had a pretty difficult life. Mm-hmm. She was had five husbands. She was currently living with a man that wasn't her husband. And uh, Jesus begins to reveal himself. First of all, it's the longest conversation ever in the Bible, not just because it was with a woman, but <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and he took the time with her to talk to her about things that were deep mm-hmm. theology, really mm-hmm. worship. Um, but then she is the first person that he reveals that he is the Messiah to. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty extraordinary mm-hmm. to a woman who's like somebody that most of us would have ignored mm-hmm. on a street corner. She's yep. at the well in the middle of the day because of her reputation. Mm-hmm. So then after she finds out who he is and she now believes in him, I, it's very significant in the scriptures because she basically goes back to Samaria and the scriptures say that she actually led many men to believe. She became the first female evangelist. Yeah. So mm-hmm. much so that when Jesus actually goes to visit Samaria, the men of the village say, oh, we believed because of her story, but now we really believe because mm-hmm. we see with our eyes who you are. Mm-hmm. So, and it specifically says in scripture that she went and told men mm-hmm. whom the Messiah was. Right. So I think the scriptures are full of these cultural changes. Jesus was specific and intentional. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. He, he really was. And again, like you said, this isn't, these weren't exceptions to the rule. These were examples yes. of Jesus turning the culture, right? Yeah. And empowering women. And it's so encouraging, you know, um, and it's, I think this is a little bit of a different story than a lot of women 
who grew up in the church yeah. were raised with, you know. But many of you know of many of the women that are probably listening, you grew up in homes and you grew up in a culture where where women were just getting started. They were just starting to find their way in a yeah. world yeah. that had even opportunity to yeah. lead. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, we were talking about this yesterday when we were having coffee. You know that that women have only had the right to vote. Right in this country for 100 years, yeah. right? Yeah. And both of our mothers, right, yes. they could not get a checking account unless our fathers actually co-signed yes. on it. And so the world that, you know, that that we live in now is so different, but there's a lot of people on the planet today, you know, that have had to to pave the way and there's been yeah. a lot of cultural positive changes, you know, that we've seen in our culture and in church world. It's exciting to see, again, so many girls yeah. stepping up into leadership. But um, but I think sometimes, you know, when you think about it, that sometimes because women have had to be courageous, sometimes even go to battle for equal pay and mm-hmm. equal opportunity, it can seem like that the pendulum can kind of swing, you know, too far in the opposite direction. We can start feeling like as as women in leadership that that we have to fight, yes. right? That we have to fight for what's ours or yeah. we have to be tough mm-hmm. in the workplace. We have to we have to show them who's boss. Yeah. I remember reading a book that said if you're on a team that's predominantly male, don't bake them cookies because then they're going to think you're like the mom. And I'm like, well, I really like to bake cookies. <laughs> so I really wanted to bake them cookies. But there, there's all these, like, you know, just what culture tells us about women and leadership. And and we can even take on the mindset at times that, that you know, that, that men are our are, are competition. And I think that, you know, that mm. this can be super damaging because yes. as, as women, as men working together, and especially, you know, in the church world, that, um, that this isn't about a competition. It's about a completion. Yeah. That when Acts in the book of Acts, where it says that the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out, and His sons and His daughters are going to prophesy. Yes. It's not about silencing, yes. you know, anybody's voice. It's not about silencing a man's voice or a woman's voice. But it's about us stepping up in confidence together. But culture is confusing. Sometimes it can set us up for competition, and our empowerment can quickly become entitlement if we're not careful. Yes. And I love what you said that that as leaders we want to take the posture. Yeah. Of of being entrusted, not entitled, and um, and this is about a tone and a posture because people are gonna, yeah. you know, they they may forget a lot of what we say in leadership, but they're definitely gonna remember how we made them feel yeah, so good, as a Julie. leader. Whether you know yeah. whether it's someone that we're leading that that might be a male or a younger um, a younger girl that we're leading, and and yeah. we don't ever want to make them feel like and less than or that yeah. they have to fight. You know, they have to fight us, but but that we're working together. But I would love to hear a little bit. Um, what what you would share around again this the whole idea of being entrusted right and not entitled having a posture and a tone and maybe even some practical tips of mm. what that looks like as women yeah i think that's um again posture and tone is everything so mm-hmm. from the beginning i mean my husband and i pastored the church for 30 years been in ministry 40 years and i was often like um I was often the only female in a room. Mm. Um, love, I love leadership and strategy and I wanted to be right in the middle of it. Um, 
And I found that what opened the door more than anything else was me wanting to serve. Now, whether it's baking, I never, I don't like baking cookies, just right. for the record. So, um, but, uh, but I love that you do. So I should come to your house more often. <laughs> um, but whatever that looks like, I think our, our attitude of serving that person around us and encouragement, yeah. I think, I mean, not fake encouragement. You're not manipulating mm-hmm. with your encouragement, but honestly encouraging. And at the end of the day, we, um, I have a friend who started this hashtag, hashtag same team. If we mm. remember that we're all on the same yeah. team, no matter our gender, our race, whatever that looks like, we're mm-hmm. gonna build, we're gonna build the yeah. church. Mm-hmm. I mean, you think if only, if you only have one gender represented, then you're only showing one part of the image of Christ. Right. And that that's not just gender, that's race, that's everything. But as far as gifting as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it's, I think as women, one of the first things you can do is discover what your gifting and your strengths are and how to serve according to that. Don't try to be somebody else. I think the, when talking about competing with men, Julie, I think women compete against women. Oh. And I think one of the reasons that um, in the church, gosh, there may be few seats, but let's promote each other. Let's Mm -hmm. hold the door. I mean, you use the term door holders. Mm -hmm. Let's not. And I think, you know, when we talk about this, for me, one of the biggest issues I've had to deal with in leadership is insecurity. Mm -hmm. And I think that if we, in order, you're talking about how to remove the the um, competition piece. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think the first thing is start working on your confidence right. and who you are and your gift mm-hmm. set and your strengths. I mean, I went many years with insecurity and mm-hmm. we're all gonna, God's always gonna ask you to do something that's bigger than you are. I mean, that that's who God is and that's why you require faith. But if you don't really work on your insecurities, mm-hmm. um, it can lead towards toxic leadership mm-hmm. and you will never fully obtain what God's called you to mm-hmm. walk in because the filter is gonna be tilted. Yeah, You're never gonna realize the delight that God has in you with every yes that you mm-hmm. make, because mm-hmm. you're never gonna feel like it's the right yes. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're gonna to have to work towards it. So was that what you were, is that yeah, the, what no, you were talking that's, about? That's perfect. Yeah. And I love that, you know, just having a tone of, you know, that posture of a servant. The yeah. tone, and, you know, just that we would, that we would always have the posture of a yeah. servant. I think that, I think there is a tension, you know, for all leaders. And I think we really deal with it as women of just having that tension between confidence and humility. So good, Julie. Confident, yeah. humility, and, you know, being confident enough to be able to, you know, to, to be able to walk as a mm-hmm. daughter of the King mm-hmm. in the assignment that he's giving us to be confident in our calling, but then also to recognize that we're stewards that yeah. are actually every opportunity that we have to lead is a gift that God's placed in our hands and that we actually, that we get to do this, that we get to serve. And so I don't think we can ever go wrong, you know, with, with being confident and humble. And I think that as leaders that really finding, you know, managing that tension, mastering that tension Mm -hmm. really um, is going to serve us all well. And I think, like you said, you know, knowing our theology and then also dealing with our insecurities, knowing our strengths. What I love, you mentioned earlier about um, Dennis pulling you into, you know, um, things that you didn't feel like you were ready for. What I love about that is that, that he, he actually pulled you out of your comfort zone. Exactly. But he never yanked you out of your strength zone. Oh, right? so good. And so he he, he yeah. saw that in you. You don't ever yeah. want to you know put people in positions that they're not equipped to be able to or, or not gifted to handle. But I think you know when you said you need to find out what your gifting is, yeah. find out what you know what you're good at, find out from other people you know that that what do they see in you, yeah. and then be able to be willing to stretch yourself. So, so good. I think that's so good. Yeah, and back to the insecurity piece and the humility. I. Th- 
and you've heard this before that the definition of humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because then, because you, that's thinking that's you have to see yourself the way God sees mm-hmm. you. I mm-hmm. think that's what brings confidence. Yeah. Yeah. That's so true. That's yeah. so true. And that that confidence comes in prayer. You yes. know, in actually just asking yes. God, God, what do you say about me? Yeah. And that's not. You know, that that's not self-serving no. at all because you're going to be better. But honestly, the people around you are better yeah. if you can deal yeah. with your insecurity yeah. and, and see yourself the way that God yeah. does. So that's so good. You know, this this has been so great. And I cannot, I, I don't want to cut this conversation short. So we're going to continue this conversation in our next episode. There's going to be a part two. Okay. But before we jump off for today, one of the greatest lessons that I've learned in leadership is that I can learn lessons from my mistakes or from my mentors, or even better, from my mentors' mistakes, right? <laughs> and so I think we can all not just learn from our from yeah. our mistakes, but we can learn from our mentors' mistakes. And so at the end of every episode this season, I want to be able to hear some, um, some of the mistakes that others have made so I can glean wisdom. So um, we don't have to make the same mistakes that others that have gone before us have made. So I would love for you to share one big mistake, like not that I'm asking you, you know, to, to be vulnerable or anything, but some big mistake, how you really blew it in leading at home or at work or at church, just bear your soul for us. Oh, thanks, Julie. (laughs) I want to hear yours too. I know. Um, again, I'm going to go back to the insecurity piece. Mm -hmm. I think that insecurity robbed a lot of my leadership in the early years. Mm -hmm. I think it, I wasted a lot of time being insecure, um, meaning that I could be in a room, I'm second guessing what everybody's thinking. I say something and then I am in bed at night thinking I should have, could have, would have said something. Does anybody else ever do that? Like you just are rethinking and regurgitating. It's kind of like you're eating roadkill. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like who does that, right? But we do that. And um, one of the scriptures that came to light for me was Hebrews 10, 35. And it reminded me, okay, so first of all, insecurity. Second of all, you are going to fail. There's times, and it's being okay with failure. Failure is not failure unless Mm -hmm. you let it define you. Failure is not a person. It is a situation Mm -hmm. or something that you've encountered. And so for me, because of the insecurity, I often define myself as a failure or failing. Um, And I love what Ed Catmull says, who was the creator of Pixar. He created a culture where failure was normal. He said their best blockbuster hits came out of failure. Mm -hmm. So I think it's once you failed, not allowing the um, condemnation or comparison to feed into the insecurity you choose what that failure moment does. Mm -hmm. So some of my greatest failures that I was embarrassed of, the shame spoke to, Mm -hmm. I've now looked at it and said, okay, not why, but what? Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of it. So the scripture that came alive to me was Hebrews 10, 35, where um, Paul says, don't throw away your confidence. So a couple of years ago, we had a big party at our house and I was cleaning up. I'd taken my wedding ring off. And when I was laying in bed at night, I realized my ring was gone. And I couldn't remember. I went back down to the sink. It wasn't on the sink. And I was like, oh my gosh, I think I threw my ring away. Mm-hmm. And I had, I had to go out to the alley and wrapped in a mustard covered napkin was my wedding ring what? that my dear husband had sacrificed, you know, <laughs> like, right, to buy me. And I remember walking back into the house. I was like, thank you, Jesus, that I found my ring. Wow. And the Lord said, don't throw away your confidence. It has a greater reward. Wow. And so I just want to encourage every female or male mm-hmm. listening to this, yeah. work on your confidence mm-hmm. by declaring over yourself who God says you are yeah. and allow him to transform failure into something magnificent in your life. Transform. I love that. It's transformative. It is. Yeah. It is. And when we learn to do that, 
um, yeah. that that it does instill confidence. Yeah. And when we have confidence, it can combat that insecurity. So yeah. that is so good. So fail forward. Fail forward. Fail forward. That's awesome. Hey, so thank you for hanging with us. And we're going to jump into the second part of this conversation. Listeners, thank you for hanging out with us today. Make sure that you check out the show notes for some really great resources and discussion guide and the scriptures that Donna shared today. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Have a great week. We're so glad you joined us today for the So Good Sisterhood podcast. For additional resources and show notes from today's episode, check out our website, SoGoodSisterhood.com. Remember, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, but He's always doing a new thing. What step are you going to take today so you don't miss out on it? If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend or just leave us a comment. We hope today's episode leaves you feeling so good. 